Hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. Hello. Hello. Hello, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm feeling good, feeling ready after half an hour off not being ready. <laughs> uh, we are ready for episode 20. What are we on? 20 quite far. 28. Can you imagine? 20 quite far. I feel like that should be anything beyond 24. 20 quite far. Just, you know, like when you say you're 20 something years old, I've got to that point now. Oh, I'm 20 something. Just keeps it easy. Sorry, distracted already. Carry on. <laughs> That's fine. I, I really like, I really like that expression as well, the 20 something. I love placeholder expressions. There's actually a massive Wikipedia list of placeholders in different languages so mm. you know how in english you might say the thingy-me-bob and the thingy-me-jig and then in germany you say dingsbums and dingstar and in where i'm from we say dingen okay, <laughs> cool. every language has got a placeholder expression where you just call it the thingy um, and you can look up what thingy is in different languages oh i need to find that mm, it's yeah but well, i'll put it in the show notes wikipedia wikipedia placeholder expressions it's it's a wonderful um, language half hour to spend on the internet. I think it's really, really fun. Yeah, it does sound fun. Mm, yeah, and well, we might we might explore this a little bit deeper in future. <laughs> Today, the Creative Language Learning Podcast is sponsored by Hello Talk. Talk to the world. Just go to hellotalk.com and there you will find links to the App Store and Play Store. And once you've done all those steps, you will be able to download such a cool language exchange app because language exchanges can be a bit of a pain. Is that right, Lindsay? Mm. They can be indeed. Yeah. Hello, how are you? Hello, how are you? What is your hobby? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and also you very quickly, you know, you have to work out if you're on the same level as people and you're sort of chained to your computer if you're always on italki and on Skype. So what I love about HelloTalk is that it's mobile and it contains so much stuff for language learning. And it is created by uh, a guy who genuinely was living somewhere where he couldn't find people to practice with. So he went, oh, how can I make, you know, how can I find, how can I best find people to practice with? Where am I going to put these, put all these people? And this guy was called Zachary, lived in Beijing and found people to practice his Korean with through basically inventing Hello Talk. So that's very nice because he went over the top. You can all use Hello Talk today. <laughs> it's a free app as well. It's yeah. wonderful. And you don't I, have to go out and create your own app. It's there for you now. <laughs> exactly. My God, they're saving us so much work. <laughs> but there's really, there's so much in this. There's a transliteration if you're learning a foreign script. It's amazing. And there's a, the language exchange function also times you. So if you naturally find that one language is dominant in your language exchange and it happens so, so quickly, it makes it a bit easier because every now and then the app will go beep. Now you're meant to speak French. Mm. I really like that. You can send voice messages. And you were telling me about the doodling function. Doodling. Oh, yes. You can like send a picture or something and you can kind of draw on it. So if you see something, maybe, I don't know, this is just one example of how you could use that feature. If you see like a camera on your desk, um, can you tell I'm taking inspiration from my location? You see a camera on your desk and you think, oh, what is that in Japanese? You can take a picture, you can you know, draw some arrows to it and a question mark, or, and then you can write a message. What is this? You know? Mm. That, mm, 
これは何ですか Oh, boom! Look at my Japanese. Wow! Showing off. Showing、oh, off. She is showing off. <laughs> I just thought, what? 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 <laughs> camera in Welsh is just camera. Oh,、That's、I think、good. it is actually camera, maybe. Camera. In Japanese, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, Hello Talk, it's, it's basically. What's up, but with an amazing database of users. I really loved at the start how you can set your language. So you say, My native language is this. And then you say, I am learning this language. You can choose as many languages. You need a pro membership for more than one language, but you can choose lots and lots of foreign languages. And the database is open to you, so you can find people in any language. And I am literally exchanging language exchanging right now with people in English, French, Welsh, and Spanish. So I'm working in four languages. There's also a special deal. So when you've downloaded your app, you pop in the code fluent language to the message the Hello Talk team box. So you have to send them this code and then you'll receive a three month pro membership.、Mm, that's nice. I know. And then it's,、yeah. then apparently it allows you to send thousand word notes. So you can send a whole foreign language love letter. How fantastic、Aww. is that? And a doodle with a little heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is our recommendation and our sponsor. So, thank you so much to Hello Talk. You're making the Creative Language Learning Podcast possible. What have you been up to with,、um, with your languages recently? How's the Add One Challenge going? It's going very well. I'm a month in tomorrow, I believe, is the, is the mark.、Um, so, I have to do my day 30 video. Um, I feel good. I feel quite good. I've only done like half an hour a day. That was my goal. And I've done it most days. There's been a couple of days where I've taken a break.、Um, and that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. But I think next month my goal is going to be to try and add to that. Now I know that that 30 minutes is kind of solid into my habit now. It's kind of in my routine. I want to try and add to that and perhaps do, you know,、mm, I don't want to say an hour a day because that's going to be more difficult for me to commit to every single day. But maybe just more speaking.、Mm. Maybe I'll, I'll kind of up, on, up that side of things. We'll see. The hour、Besides、a day、tomorrow. commitment always feels too much to me, no, no matter、yeah. what I do. Or the hour a day, every single day, always feels too much. You know, when people get very fired up to go to the gym. Yeah. In, in the new year, and they say, I'm going to go to the gym every day and work out. And I always think, every day, you're not going to, you know, you're going to have one day where you don't go, and then it just doesn't, you know, you're going to fall down on it. And I don't know, at least that's how I feel. I can't、yeah. do it. I just can't do it. Whereas I am a very, I'm a steady exerciser. So I, I know、yeah. I tend to do something three times a week, maybe four times a week, but I keep the something open. So I might go to a class, I might go. For a walk, I might go for a run. Maybe in 2015, I've been for five runs, but I've been to lots of classes. So it kind of changes, but I'm keeping、mm. my routine open enough to be ready for change. So I really admire you for being able to do half an hour every single day. I can't do that. Yeah, but that's, that's kind of what I've done though, because even though I've said, right, I have this time, I have this half an hour,、um, and it's the same time in the morning every day, because I know that that's. When I'm going to have time. And if I say, I'll、oh, do it in the evening, it's not going to happen. Something's going to come along or whatever. But in that, even in that half an hour, like you say about being quite open with classes or going for a run or whatever,、um, I'll say, right, okay, you know, what am I going to do today? So it's not a case of I'm going to start with 10 minutes on the book and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. It's not, I, I keep that 30 minutes very open. I mean, the rest of it. So I've got, you know, for example,、I'll, I tend to do memorize while I'm drinking my tea at breakfast. I tend to、um, listen to Japanese Pod 101 while I'm washing up. And there's those bits that are more routine, but then the actual 30 minutes that I set myself, 
is just kind of, what do I feel like doing today? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's going to help me today? Because um, it has to be positive. Otherwise, it does become more difficult to get back to. It has to be positive. It has to be enjoyable stuff, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah. Had, I've got some news. I've had my first uh, Welsh lesson. I'm not committing to regular lessons right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've had, I've had an, an online lesson in Welsh with uh, Welsh tutor Mererit, who's lovely and has been, you know, she offered me a class and I was just like, yeah, okay. And I had to build myself up to this because I was a complete beginner in Welsh. And um, I've, as I've just said on the blog, I'm really not learning super fast. I'm not, I can't right now. So, but I am learning steadily. I am learning consistently. And she was so encouraging and so uh, full of compliments. And I can say more than I thought I could. I can say things like, Yay. have you ever been to Germany? Germany being Ural Main, cool word, right? But so you know, I can I can say bits and bits and bobs, and it's great to see it all coming together. It was you know I would wholly recommend even if you you know even if people can't afford a tutor and they're scared of doing the tutoring every week, you know I, I, this is partly why I I have done monthlies with less with students because it's nice to see it all come together even once a month. Mm, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Oh, that's really nice! Congratulations. Yeah. Did you did you did you book another lesson, or have you left it very open? I haven't booked another lesson right now. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. I probably but you've should. Taken that, but you've taken that first step, and you've had the first one, and then the next, like the next step, isn't the next lesson. The next step is booking the next lesson, and then do you know what I mean? It's it's kind of really gradual, just to yeah, it's uh, super scary to commit. Yeah, because, yeah, you feel like, oh, yeah, I know I have a free weekend. I can definitely do this Saturday. And then it comes to Friday and you think, oh, my God, I have to do this tomorrow now. Ah, I'm supposed to have a lesson. Ah, crazy times. But it, it, once, you've, once you've got it down and you've got it in your diary, I, I do find it's you do tend to commit. It does tend to be a case of, well, it's there now. I can't let the tutor down. I'm going to have to go. I also think that because I've done it once and because I really enjoyed it, I actually really want to have another class, but yeah, my only thing was thing. I don't want weekly classes because I would feel that I don't want to, I, at the moment, I want to put the weight on myself to progress and I want to put a slow pace on it because I don't want to feel pressured. I'm already quite busy. However, I do want to progress and I want to kind of use these lessons as a sort of as a sounding board um, for me to see where I'm getting to. So I'm going to give myself, instead of the weeklies, I think I'm going to give myself two or three weeks, but I now, here and now, commit to getting another lesson in before Christmas, 100%. Yay! Looking forward to it already. I like to call it the slow burn language learn. That is exactly what, yes, that's that's so what I'm all about. Slow yeah. burn language learn, I like that. <laughs> Everyone loves a rhyme, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, um... Seeing as we've got so much to cover today, let me start with some feedback. Can I just say, first of all, thank you so much to our iTunes reviewers. We've had some new iTunes reviews come in. And there's something that I hadn't realized before, which is that when you review us on the US store or you review us on the Japanese or wherever you are iTunes store, I don't see that because I'm on the UK store, but if I switch my account, I do actually see it. So if you haven't been personally thanked, etc., for a review, it might just be that you're in a different country. And I really appreciate your review nonetheless. We've had two five-star reviews. 
two five-star reviews um, from the USA, Lindsay. And we've got five reviews currently, four of which are five-star reviews. Thank you guys so, so much in the UK store. You're really helping us be a little bit more visible. And what's even better, can't even stop, um, we've had an, an email that I would from Alex, and I really would like to read this out. Alex says... Just wanted to say thanks for the excellent podcast. At 50, I've been away from formal language learning for many years and how times have changed. I mean, you and I know that's so true. Absolutely. I'm I'm just over 30 and even for me, language learning has changed completely. So Alex is a, what a wonderful case study. She says, I've, uh, she, I think it's a lady's name, um, I've decided to learn Spanish and have begun by an audio teach-yourself class supported by whatever I can find that looks useful on the web. I stumbled across your podcast in my search and have been really impressed with the quality of content, perfect balance of informed, professional, intelligent comment, and your fresh, bright, young delivery. That must be you, Lindsay. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, thank you so much, Alex. I, I was really, you made my day. I had such a smile on my face. So it's really good. Lots of great tips and in, in, info. Um, and also she mentions that sometimes we might mention resources, businesses, etc. places like Flash Sticks, places like perhaps Michelle Thomas Memorize, etc. Like we know exactly what they are, but it might be that not everybody knows. And so, because we mentioned Flash Sticks previously and she said, is, is this some kind of software? And Flash Sticks is a software, but it's also um, pre-printed language learning post-its that you can buy so it's you can actually use flash sticks completely without your computer and that's i think one of the things i like about them so she says anyway small stuff overall she thinks the creative language learning podcast is brilliant and i just really wanted to say thank you alex yeah that's really cool that's really nice to hear yeah, don't you love it when I, I just there's nothing that makes me happier than when somebody is fifty and returns to language learning. I think it's the best. Absolutely, yeah. I'd, not just you know specifically fifty, but you know just yeah, fifty-one. I, I don't care. No, <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, any age is like you know, any, when anyone decides to learn language at any age, it's, it's yeah. very very cool. I think it but takes I, extra courage idea, at that age. Absolutely. The idea of, of being away from formal language learning for so long and then deciding, actually, you know, I'm going to do this myself is, is very cool. That's true. So thank you guys so, so much. Keep the feedback coming. We love it. And we, you know, if you want us to read it out and also if you've got any opinions about Lindsay and I throwing words around that might be unfamiliar, if there's anything in particular that you would like a, um, a statement on or a quick explanation, just give us a shout and we'll explain it here on the podcast. Okay. Flab Sorry, flabbergasted. Touts, Lindsay. I was throwing some words around. <laughs> <laughs> sorry we've just lost it. <laughs> excuse us um it's so, sorry yes no i wanted now. to say tout because if you've listened to episode 27 yeah. Lindsay couldn't pronounce the word tout and it was just brilliant all the way through the episode <laughs> <laughs> confusing i actually put it in the show notes with the um with the international phonetic alphabet yeah oh thank you for that that's all i right. need to like have that tattooed on my wrist <laughs> <laughs> traveling anywhere that's a waste of skin space don't worry about it <laughs> skin space 
<laughs> okay, um, we've got so many news. So this is this is going to be a news episode where we we kind of go through a bunch of news articles, and we've actually got an expert voice that really is affected by one of the news articles. And I've, I'm really glad that we've got Jay from Compassionate Language Learner who came and took uh, or who came and shared her perspective. So I'm going to start you on the news, Lindsay. We're starting with the gender neutral honorific mix. Mucks. We don't quite know how you even say it, but it's it's spelled MX. And Mix has been accepted into the new Oxford Dictionary. So that's now officially, I guess, a word. It's also used in various official capacities here in the UK, at least from what I've seen. So you can apply for NHS things, NHS, um, you can apply for various council tax exemptions and, you know, your driving license, etc. It's all been completely, being gender neutral has now been accepted into the the dictionary. There's, there's now words for it in the English language officially, or at least a way of addressing somebody who's decided to be gender neutral, which I think is incredibly interesting. So shall we start by playing the interview with Jay? Absolutely. Here we are at the start of the expert segment or the expert uh, person that I've pulled in to just discuss the introduction in the Oxford Dictionary of a new, what's called a gender neutral honorific. Gendered honorifics are Mr, Miss, Mrs and Ms in the English language. And as somebody who has recently gone from a Miss to a Mrs., and could have taken a choice of hiding behind Ms, which is just MS. I, I kind of know a little bit about the jungle that it is of how you write yourself um, and how you write down your name and how important that is to you. But I think Jay from Compassionate Language Learner has got a much more, you know, you've got an even richer perspective on that um, because the new mix, mux, we don't even know how to say it, <laughs> honorific, uh, that would, you would claim that as applying to you. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I use mix when, when I have a choice, um, because, because I identify as genderqueer, I don't identify as male or female. Um, and as such, the existing gendered titles don't apply. Um, and I guess one thing to note is that mix, I say mix. I've heard that other people say, I don't know, mucks or things like that. I always just say mix. Um, it's becoming more widely accepted. Well, hence it being included in dictionaries and things. But for example, um, on the NHS, you can pick mix as your title now, um, thanks to some people writing in and requesting it. Um, I have some medical documents that say mix, which is very pleasing. That's amazing. Okay, so the NHS, for anyone who's listening outside the UK, it's the National Health Service. We've got socialized health in the UK. Um, so the NHS is kind of, if you want any kind of doctor treatment, you're going to very likely go through the NHS. If the NHS does it, it's, it is a very big, excellent, symbolic move, I would say, because there are a very prominent rep representative of the government in our lives. And that you, if you take that as a representation of where society stands that's really interesting so jay how do you in your in your everyday life how do you feel um this you know do you feel like this would affect anything about how people treat you how people see you how you want to be addressed by people 
Um, I think it already does when I use it. Um, I don't use it all the time just because sometimes it's not available. Sometimes I don't really have the energy to have that conversation with people, or sometimes I may not feel safe having that conversation with people. But um, what I like about it is obviously that it's not gendered. And so since I feel that I'm not gendered, it's a good fit. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think even if I felt gendered. Um, I've run into, for example, a lot of women who've told me, Ooh, you know, I might use that. Um, I'd quite like having a title where people don't make assumptions about me right away. Um, which I think a lot of women, that's why they use Ms instead of miss or missus because, you know, in, um, in English, if men cannot be identified as married or not from their title, then why should women, you know, it's absurd. Um, so I've had, yeah, I've definitely had women say that they, they would also consider using mix if it was more of an option. Um, mm, that's very interesting. And how do you, how do you then navigate your way around? Um, so we've just established an honorifics is honorific is when you call somebody in English, at least in Japanese, way more loaded, but in English, if you're calling somebody, Mr. Mrs. Something like that, um, thereby indicating that, you know, you've got respect for them and they're a stranger you you are using what's called an honorific now how do you navigate around what's called pronouns that would be normally he she and it but you're none of that um so my pronoun is actually they um which people jump on it all the time and say that's grammatically incorrect blah 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 whatever um one i say language changes two we all i think we can generally agree that Certainly in informal speech, um, they has been used for um, a gender neutral or, you know, we don't know someone's gender singular pronoun for a long time. You know, oh, um, someone came through, they left their sweater here or something, jumper, I guess. Um, And, you know, if you go back, um, Shakespeare used singular they, C.S. Lewis, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of historical precedent for that. One thing I do like is that in certain sort of, I don't know, activist groups or social circles. Um, sometimes people now go around and ask people at the beginnings of meetings or when they meet new people, what their pronoun is, mm-hmm. um, both to make it easier for people who say that they do have alternative pronouns of which they is only one of them. And, um, to problematize the fact that if you see someone and you think that they look like a woman, they might not actually be a woman. They might not actually use those pronouns. And it, you know, it kind of makes people think, uh, for people who've never sort of wondered about their gender or been, or people who've always been very sure of their gender, mm-hmm. asking them to name what their pronoun is, um, it can get them to think about what it's like when, when you're not, when you're not sure, maybe when, what people think your outward appearance is com- compared to your gender identity, when those two things don't necessarily match up what that's like. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, there's something in there about, um, being given perhaps the opportunity to claim your identity instead of and something that I find really interesting is that in English um, I also hear more more often now the expression you know when you normally say somebody's born a woman born a man or not <laughs> born well you're born a baby or whatever yeah. <laughs> if, if somebody is born female or born male mm-hmm. um, I hear the expression to be assigned a gender at birth yeah, absolutely. I hear that much, much more now, which also kind of emphasizes how 
passive your role in this is and then being asked for your own pronoun gives you an agency and identity back that you don't you didn't even know language took that away from you until it did yeah absolutely you know and a baby's born a baby right and society projects gender based on what they think of various physical characteristics or whatever um, which may or may not match up with that person's gender identity later in life it's difficult because like I, I personally, and most, no, again, not most people, I don't know, but certainly if you've always identified as a girl and you never questioned that, then you sort of go, what? <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's so world changed, which is where I think the foreign language aspect comes in. And I wanted to um, highlight that, that I think is really interesting. So it's so world shaking um, in the same way that learning a foreign language can be. Because that is also about questioning our assumptions that we have about the world and sometimes mm. questioning about assumptions towards other people. And as in, in that context, I wonder for you as a language learner and as somebody who sees language learning, you know, done in the world and, you know, helps other people and in a way guides them along by sharing your own journey. Do you see a parallel between somebody just accepting mix into their direction? somebody just accepting mix in their vocabulary and somebody you know starting to see the world from another person's eyes through learning a foreign language sorry that was the longest question ever I hope that made sense <laughs> no that's, that's all right um yeah no I think that's a really interesting connection um I think you're right that there's something there both in terms of um <clears throat> In terms of, like you said, breaking down stereotypes or preconceptions you might have about a person or a culture. Also, just in terms of, um, you know, one of the stumbling blocks people say that they often run into when learning a new language is um, when they see different grammatical structures and they say, oh, this just can't work. How can this, this is ridiculous. Why is it like this? Um, and, you know, if you just sort of put aside your, or try to put aside your assumptions that grammar should be this way. This is how sentences are sensibly constructed. You know, if you put that aside, then maybe you can go ahead and learn a language. Um, so maybe, you know, we can put aside our assumptions that you need to identify somebody's gender in their pronoun or in their title. You know, there are languages that don't do that. You know, um, there are languages that have gender neutral, um, third-person pronouns. And to me, as a native English speaker, it feels really interesting and well, really liberating for me, but also very interesting to, to learn about such languages and to speak them. Whereas something like German or French, both of which I study, you know, it feels really, really sometimes quite stressful to feel like I have to gender myself every time I, I, I you know, what feels like every sentence. <laughs> they do, those languages do gender everything. Yeah. <laughs> Including, yeah. I often say to them, I say, you know, your fridge, your fridge is now male because German. Yeah, yeah. I know, that is very true. It's neutral, so hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so am I, am I correct in thinking Swedish has recently introduced a gender neutral pronoun? Um, yeah, they, uh, they introduced, I think it's called hen, um, which I think comes from Finnish han, which is has always been the gender neutral third person pronoun in Finnish. Um, yeah, Finnish, I think, is much less gendered than, than something like Swedish, I guess, because of the Germanic roots mm -hmm. of Swedish. But yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's in, in foreign language learning and, and it's kind of I really wanted to highlight 
mix being a part of the dictionary now because it's so it gives us a, a tiny tiny insight in how our language shapes our world how aware mm. what we say makes us of you know what the world is like around us and i think even when the introduction of ms happened <clears throat> a lot of people probably felt their you know the walls of existence were shaking and now Absolutely. now we've introduced another and it's widened the world again and that is 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 truly truly wonderful so language learning to me starts at home starts with your own yeah. vocabulary Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, again, with those assumptions, you know, why do we think in English and in lots of other languages that it's so essential that we know somebody's gender as soon as we say anything about them? And I don't know, in languages like Finnish or Tagalog, where they have um, gender neutral third person pronouns, you know, what does, how does that shape what people, you know, is there any difference in, in the assumptions people make about people? Is there, you know, what, what happens there where you, in the root of your language, you don't have the need to immediately gender somebody well thank you so much for i think sharing your own personal experiences i feel like it's made it it's made it so much more tangible and you know it it it, it for me when i first read this little news article about oh mix is now a thing and i was like a, a what and a, a what <laughs> because i don't live in london you're a cosmopolitan city uh, <laughs> and It's it's so fascinating to think, oh, I know somebody who can talk about that. And that is only through your work as a blogger. Um, Jay's oh, blog, I very, very highly recommend. I, you know, I've, I've always been a, a huge supporter of it. And I think you, you write so well and you share such interesting opinions. It's called The Compassionate Language Learner. So if you're learning a language and you feel like in need of a pat on the back, this is your place to look. Oh, thank you. And I, I feel like I should say the reason I started the blog, I've been thinking about it, wasn't really sure. Kirsten wrote a blog post ages ago calling on language learners to start a blog about their experiences. And then I thought, well, all right, okay, I, I call your bluff. I'll do it. <laughs> It's so. Oh well, that, that's so. We're a bit circular. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm really really glad because you know if if that inspired you and kind of brought your writing into the world, um, short of just becoming a very boring podcast where we just tell each other how great we are, um, <laughs> they're really great. Jay's really great. Um, so yeah, well, it's likewise. It, Kurt is really great. <laughs> Let's stop this now. She is at compassionatelanguage.wordpress.com. They. Oh. They. I don't know who she is. <laughs> and well, just just to demonstrate how difficult this is when you're not used to it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Fair enough. I'm, I misgender people. Sometimes I misgender myself. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, you know, it might happen with, you know, daily form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. Thank you very much, Jay. Thank you. Yeah, so that was Jay from Compassionate Language Learner. And I wanted to discuss this with you, Lindsay, especially for, for, for me, what makes this interesting as a language concept is that we've previously talked about through the language glass and the idea of the language shaping the world that we live in. And I think this is an amazing example that, of making something really visible that is usually quite invisible in our consciousness. What do you think? Yes. I think so. And especially, I mean, I personally, I ha I do have an issue with the idea of being a female and having to, you know, write on a form or anything, miss, missus or ms, right? Because the, even, even if you choose to use ms as in ms, 
it still carries this connotation of, I don't want to tell you. No, hmm. it, it, you know, it still has, it still carries something there. Mm-hmm. And whereas if you're, if you're male and you just have the option of Mr. Essentially, you know, and it's like, why, why is it that way around? It feels like, yeah, it does feel like there's a certain level of, I guess, not protection, but there's an inherent respect to a man where you think it just, their marital status doesn't matter. And yeah. this is taking yeah. it one step further to actually put an inherent respect on a person and say your gender doesn't matter. So it is yeah. kind of the next step. Yeah. And and I love that because like now kind of being recently engaged and, and things, you know, I start, I'm filling out new forms or whatever. And it's like, well, I'm not miss strictly speaking anymore. You know, I, I'm soon to be missus. So it's like, well, am I now miss? it doesn't matter when I'm filling out this form these people don't need to know that about me so why mm. should I have to give them that information and it's the same like you say it's the same idea of, of with with um with gender if you if you feel like well I don't I, I identify myself as gender neutral then how, why should you have to choose between mm. between these these options of, of what you're given and I love that this exists you know what else I like about it I like that it's mx and like even just now when you sort of introducing the topic and you're saying not sure exactly how to say this and I I heard in an interview as well with Jay and it's like oh I say this and some people say that I love that as well because that then means it's completely open to your own interpretation of how you choose to identify you know using what you've been given this mx Mm-hmm. You know, you say mixed, you say mixed, do you say MX, you know, you, you can you can choose that as well. And I think that's really a really, really nice quality that, that goes hand in hand with this as well. I agree. And it's this I have I've also seen it or I have seen an alternative to this where people have spelt it and written it as misc, as in M I S C, so the short form of oh. the beautiful English word miscellaneous. Ah. which but then i don't i don't i'm not sure i like that as much because it sort of implies other mm-hmm. you know it sort of implies just whatever whatever else we can think of like third rate or second you know if 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 mr yeah. is first rate and then mrs is is second rate and then suddenly yeah. the misc is third rate so I'm, i'm i don't know i'm not sure about it all but Overall, the positive move of thinking you're somewhere, you've got a drop-down list, especially when there's those, the English language, sometimes they have these enormous drop-down lists, don't they, where it's Mr., Doctor, uh, Baroness, uh, King, etc., His Royal Highness, Her Royal Highness, and you can just pick whatever you want out of this list. And that list now includes a gender-neutral way of addressing someone. And it makes it, it's not, it's it's about picking your own identity, but it's also about just becoming visible and therefore becoming a part of the consciousness of other people. I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I suppose there are many people now who would, who would still feel like, what? I don't understand, you know, because, and, and I loved what you said, um, you and you and Jay were talking and you said about the idea of when you learn a new language and you think, no, this isn't how grammar works. Why is it this way? And it's there is so many there is there is a real parallel when you're saying all this I'm like oh my god that's so true you know the idea of you know someone else chooses to see themselves as gender neutral 
And it's, it's that same idea of like, it's like a different language and you think, well, why is it like that? But if you just kind of, under, if you just open up and say, okay I, okay, I accept it's like that. And then you can start to understand why. And this is a huge step in the kind of public domain of understanding, you know, the, the sort of the why and the how and, and making it more open and making it more accessible for people mm. to understand rather than it just sort of being something that people feel they can't necessarily share all the time which I imagine you know if there's if there's for example you know you have a drop down form and and you're instantly excluded from that then you would feel like I perhaps some people would feel like they couldn't share um how they feel about being gender neutral with certain people and so I just think this is a really progressive step um I agree and yeah. what you were saying there just just reminded me that there's maybe the the most tolerant that you can possibly be tolerant being to me at least a value and something very good is to accept that it just is if somebody Absolutely. is gender neutral they don't owe you an explanation no one owes an explanation german grammar doesn't owe you an explanation for why we have cases it yeah. it just is it just yeah. is um and that is the thing about foreign language learning oh, being an, a mind opening thing and maybe adding new words into the dictionary also being a mind-opening thing. And Ooh. that leads me on, actually, very nicely and elegantly, almost like I planned it, but I didn't, to the Oxford Dictionary, the, 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 your topic, the Oxford Dictionary naming an emoji as the word of the year. <laughs> and that's kind of... It's kind of Perfect similar, right? Emoji. It's It's about... It's about... So that's me celebrating in emoji. I'm not sure if it transfers well over audio. Hot. Sorry. <laughs> no, there's no sound. Well, I Fist guess em emojis must be the visual equivalent of uh-huh or something like that. Mm. I, I, do, I love it. I love emoji so much. I made a video um, probably close to a year ago now. Um, is emoji a language, right? And at the time I was like... I was quite new to the idea, but I knew that I, I loved it. I loved that, you know, I could write something. I could write a, a comment, like an, a description on an Instagram picture and kind of, I was almost expressing things further than I could with words. And I know that sounds ridiculous, especially given the amount of words we have in English. And then, you know, the amount of words I know in all the languages I've ever studied and you feel like I still can't get it right. But no, there's something about emoji and there's something about the translation across different languages across different borders, across different countries, that just is really beautiful, mm. don't you think? It's just <laughs> so accessible. Sorry? It, yeah, it is so accessible. It is so universal. And looking at the article that, that you chose, which is a, um, a commentary from a lady called Hannah Jane Parkinson at The Guardian, and she wrote, she was kind of outraged by this and said, it's not even a word. And that's how it reminds me of mix because you might as well say that's not even a thing like of course a new word isn't a new word but it's in the dictionary now so it's kind of a new word hello and it's also about you know this with with gender neutral and mix we found it's about bridging gaps of perhaps what some people understand to be the fundamentals of identity with emoji it's about bridging gaps of generations mm. It's it's about bridging, you know, it's it's about and bridging a gaps of communication 
So beyond it being internationally universal, which I agree, I think that's amazing. Just that, I don't know, it's cool. And I've, in, in language exchanges, I've, I've typed in, how do you say, and then just did a little muscle man because I didn't know how to say bodybuilding in French. Um, oh. and so it's actually very helpful as well. <laughs> but it's, I don't know. It, emoji is... It it's not it you know like I I can't I can't really describe this very well but I feel that there's a real generation gap at work and the Oxford Dictionary accepting something or naming it they haven't accepted it into the dictionary they've named it the word of the year and that is more about reflecting what is going on in the, in the world today. But also reflecting, you know, like like feelings and just current events, etc. Don't you think it's much more positive though that an an emoji, a, a crying, laughing face, joy emoji is the word of the year, as opposed to something negative that is just as current, like something like jihadi, or you know. Yeah, like Daesh or something. Which mm. would probably be in the news just as much. And it, it not just, I'm not saying emojis in the news, like in, in a news article, but we'd probably just be in the current sort of, in our current like reading and, and writing sphere just as much. And I, I love that this is, is the one that they chose. I think it's, it, it definitely says a lot. What, what emoji will it be next year? <laughs> <laughs> it has to be another emoji, surely. Do you think, I, I mean, emoji is, is currently, did you see that Finland brought its own emoji yes. in? I think they've got a little, do they have a little sauna lady and a little Nokia, Nokia phone, etc. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's still evolving as, and it's not, hmm, is it a language? Is it, I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's still, it's, well, that's the discussion you, you raised last year, isn't it? Is yeah. it a language? Is it a language? Don't know. But it's certainly a, a way of communicating and perhaps like, do you remember when we talked about semaphore? Perhaps it's a script. Yes, I think so. I think it's, it's you're right. It's a way of communicating. It's it's a, a script essentially, because um, it's it's kind of like pictographs, or I think that's the correct pict- pictograms. 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 Yeah. It's exactly that, isn't it? Really. And they're international and universal as well. Mm, oh you mean like road signs and stuff yeah or the olympic disciplines yeah yeah yeah, that's true so people people have communicated when you think back to cave paintings people have communicated Mm -hmm. in pictures way before people have communicated in in sounds and in in writing i guess absolutely and that's so true that's that's extremely interesting so how would we if we're tying it back to foreign language learning in particular i think well, first of all, my my tip for using emoji would definitely be use it when you don't know the words. If you're typing in language exchange, it can be a handy little thing to express, but don't rely on it. Instead, ask how how would you what do you call this? How do you, how would you express this in your language? Do you know what I love about this article though? I love how it ends. It's like, oh, emoji is not a word, and then it, I, I can't decide if it's being sarcastic or serious. But at the end, there's a gif. I know. <laughs> it's like, that's this whole other side of sort of modern communication, you know? I have like a GIF keyboard installed on my um, iPad where I'll message my kind of close 
people, <laughs> not just random people that message me, you know, like my close family and friends. And if they say something that's funny or whatever, um, or shocking, I'll reply with a gif sometimes if I feel like it, because it's funny and it brings kind of popular culture. You think, oh, they're going to get this reference. You know? how, how do your parents react to that? Oh, I don't really do it with my parents. My <laughs> sister, my sister definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley, but I may have sent one to you sometime, maybe. Maybe. I think and... I sent you an Adventure Time one and you were like, what's this? And I was like, Adventure Time, it's the greatest show in history. <laughs> See, and then I'm sharing the joy. And then, that's, like... that's the thing about, uh, generally, it's, it's, there's a thing about moving to another country. You know, the, the entering into the pop culture area. Um, and I know that when I moved to England, oh my God, did people make references. And, you know, people quote jokes at each other from TV shows that ended three years ago and you've got no idea what they're saying. Yeah. Or my um, my rugby team used to sing this song, used to sing Delilah by Tom Jones. And it's got about 7,000 connotations and it's really close to rugby culture for some reason. And But I was just, I I never even played rugby before. I know I, like, it's... There's more than just the environment and the houses and, and moving to a different place. You know, there's more than just the houses that's alien. It's like everything is alien. Everything. People are alien. Foreign mm. people are aliens. Wow, don't quote that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are, though. Don't you, don't you think? Well, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't like that term. Like... You know, like that song. Alien it? as in, I, I completely have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And see, I don't like the term alien to describe that. Uh-huh. I, I, not, I don't even really like the word foreign, like foreign language. It, it sounds, it makes it sound so kind of different. And I don't know. I find that I find there's almost a negative connotation, even to the word foreign, like foreign language. I don't know. I, like... My my degree is called modern language studies, but I know some would be called modern foreign language studies. Yeah, but, my degree is called modern languages. Yeah, and I find that's like that's fine, but I don't know. I don't know. There's nothing. There's nothing like inherently wrong with the word. I think it's just it's just with all with any word, isn't it? It's the way it's used that carries the connotation. But that's really interesting because the. Yes, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the, the the thought of the word alien as particularly... Do, do you find it offensive? What is it about the word that doesn't... Because alien for me... So when I hear the word alien, I think of, like, space and, like, little green men, you know, like, on Mars. Um, so then that is, like, the extreme of different... And it's, like, different planet, completely different to us completely alien but then like if you go to a new country and you experience a new culture a new language and say oh it's completely alien to me I don't know I just find it I just find it used I don't know I just find it used in a sort of in quite a funny way mm. I, I know I thought of it as something exciting something desirable at least mm. thinking back to how I experienced moving to the UK and The fact that I had learned English for over 10 years at that point, my English was really good. I did not have a problem with 
the language, at least I thought so. And then I moved here and people made references to stuff and I had no idea what they were saying. I understood the words still, no idea. And I also, the fact that people had accents and dialects that I couldn't quite understand. And realizing that even between Germany and the UK, which isn't far from each other, moving to a foreign country, the sense of humor, hello, um, is so, there's just so much more to it. There's so much more to it than just learning a language. And it reminds me of the discussion that we had with Dan McIntyre, the um, editor of Babel magazine in episode 26 um, about fluency mm. and being, you know, and understanding what people mean when they say something. Um, and I think that ties it, hopefully ties it back to our emoji discussion as well. So the idea of that this actually helps bridge that alien gap, perhaps. Yeah. Because even if somebody typed something in a script, I didn't know. If if I saw something typed in Arabic, normally I'd be like, uh-huh, what? You know, just yeah. like, is that even words? And I know it's words, just okay. Um, but if they type something, 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 and then put an emoji behind it, I will instantly... You can pick in, up the mood. Right? I, yeah, I will infer something about yeah. the intention of what was said. Yeah. So in a way... Emoji, perhaps, being the ultimate bridger. I'm not putting a lot of pressure on emojis at all here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're completely right. Because if you if you were to watch someone, like if you're watching a clip of a, um, a soap opera in a different language and... And, and you don't understand that language at all, but then you can see from the emotion and from the way they're saying things, you can guess, oh, they're angry, or okay, this is a happy conversation, or oh, they are in love, right? You can guess that. Whereas if you're reading text, you don't always have those easy, you don't always have such easy to guess um, clues. Mm -hmm. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps emoji do do that. They do bridge that gap. They just give you an idea of, okay, what can I expect from this piece of text? Oh, okay, well, there's, there's the crying, laughing face emoji. So, okay, this person is clearly happy or they they find something humorous or, you know, there's, there's going to be some positivity here. Um, so, yeah, I think they, they do. They do do that. I don't think you're putting pressure on them. I think they just do it because they love it. <laughs> there's something, something about this makes me want to make... German language learning materials or foreign language learning materials, um, sort of early, early, early textbooks when you don't really understand much yet and include emoji. Oh, my goodness. That's a genius idea. That would be so cool. Absolutely. And then just gradually the emoji fades out and the language comes in. Ooh. Yeah. Seamless transition. Seamless transition. And also, as we know, a wonderful memory aid because that it stimulates mm. your visual and your connotation. Because uh, you already you already have something that's familiar and you can carry that familiar thing into the other language. Oh, Kirsten, we have to make this happen. There it is. The the idea of the episode. The the, the, the <laughs> takeaway, as you might say, from this ex episode is that emoji can be an amazing tool for really early language learning. I mean, how else do, do children learn? You know, when you've got children children's books um, that are very heavy on pictures and very low on words, 
they you know they they essentially work in the same way mm. yeah they do and then gradually the pictures become less and less and the words become more and more and you get to that age where you go to the library or the bookshop and you're looking for stuff and then you find when you're like nah, I don't want this one it's got no pictures <laughs> <laughs> Did you go through that stage when you were a kid? <laughs> yes, I remember going through that stage. Whereas yeah. now, I, I'm a little bit more hesitant to pick up pictures, picture or books with pictures in, because mm. I like my mind making. I like I like it that my mind can make the pictures. Interesting. There's a. I, oh, I read a book years ago. Now, um, it's now it's now a film called. Inc- oh, what's it called? Extremely loud and incredibly close. Have you heard of it? I've, it, it rings a bell, but you have, to, you have yeah. to tell me about it. So the I can't remember the exact story. It's, it's about September 11th. I think the boy is told from the boy's perspective, I think, and his dad, I think, dies in September the 11th. And, um, and I've never seen the film, but the book, if you ever get the chance, the book is absolutely just mind-blowing. It's just written in this wonderfully creative way so there's pages where there's just one word or there's pages where the text is kind of made into an image or the text kind of goes down a page like stairs and it's just beautifully crafted and the the words become pictures does that make sense yeah that's wonderful if if you get a chance just next time you're in a bookshop just find it and take a look just flick through and it's oh it's a really really wonderful book to read it reminds me of the word the work of patrick ness Mm-hmm. who is a, a young adult author and he's written um, a, a little trilogy called The Ask and the Answer. Um, and without giving too much away, hopefully, um, there's at the start, you everybody can read each other's mind and they call it each other's noise. And there's visual representations of that noise, sort of words, 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 oh, words, no. words, um, in like as if somebody's drawn them with a, you know, like when you draw and you really push on the paper and mm. you're really scratching it out and it's very emotional and it looks very sort of harsh like that. Um, and at some point, the protagonist of the story comes across a space in the forest where there's just silence. And and it it illustrates that basically he's really scared to walk into that space because it's really empty. Oh. And again, it's the words become part of the illustration which is a, a wonderful thing. I wonder how those translate. Yeah, that's true. That is interesting. It's, it's, it's extremely interesting. Okay, I'm going to move on to our final piece of news, our final news item in the episode. And this is, well, oops, excuse me. This is an interesting one. Moving on, I like I like to connect what we've what we've already got in the show. And moving on to that, there's something in this that I think is extremely interesting, which is the the idea that we have had previously with mix and partly with emoji about connecting people who don't speak each other's language and about identity. And we kind of have both represented in the last news item, which is that I have found this and it says that the East African community which is a political association of a bunch of East African countries, including Tanzania, Burundi, uh, Kenya, and some others. Excuse me. Hang on, I've got the list. Uganda, Uganda, Burundi, Kenya, Rwanda, and Tanzania. 
Rwanda, Burundi, Kenya, Tanzania, and, and Uganda. And Uganda. Mm -hmm. So these East African countries, and the official language of this association is English, has been English. It's been established in 1967, so this has been going for quite a while, and I sort of, I, it looks a bit like an EU type, a European Union type, um, except not quite as close. Um, agreements, so there's free trade in between these countries, and they just decide to work together. And these languages have always decided to speak to each other in what could be considered a leading world language, but what could also be considered the colonial historic suppression language that those countries have had to endure. They've had English forced on them. They don't have English naturally. And the East African community is considering or has decided, I believe, to adopt a lingua franca um, of Kiswahili. So an actual African indigenous language. Uh, what do you make of that? I love this. Um, I'm, I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to kind of catch up with the article now. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is great because the thing is with... English um, and well any kind of colonial language is that you it, it doesn't necessarily oh, this is such a difficult topic to talk about it doesn't necessarily give you a chance an equal chance to express yourself fully does that make sense mm -hmm. and yeah sorry go on it also expects something of the members and the public in those countries so we have seen yeah. with the European Union, the European Union is often criticized, but I kind of feel like praising them as well for being hell-bent on translating and providing their official documents in every official language. That makes it over 20 languages. It's a lot. Yeah. And I think that's really important, especially if, you, if you're going to form kind of groups like this. Um, but I, I, I love that... They've, they've kind of decided because it's not saying because it says where is it here it says that English um, maintains that English was the official language but yeah it's just developing it as a lingua franca so it's just the idea that you know they can still use English because people many people I imagine will still speak English um, but it's just giving them something that's more closely related to their culture, their history, through which they can express themselves. And I think this is essential. And it's, it's really beautiful that, you know, it's not just someone who says, I want to speak this language, this is the language of my ancestors or, or something like that. And then going forward, it's, it's actually a big organization that is accepting saying, yep, yeah, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to make this the lingua franca, we're going to adopt this as as a lingua franca, and also the idea that they're going to conduct courses on it to um, members of the regional assembly. Indeed they are. So it's not just a case of, yep, you have to speak this now. It's, it's kind of, okay, we want this to become more of a thing and we're going to help that to, be, to become the case. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know if there's something it feels to me, and I hope this isn't too much of a western it feels like a sort of step towards emancipation and just saying 
we've got our own things that count for something and we have our own power and we you know we are claiming part of part of what what we are in language uh, i think language and identity like I, like i often say are so closely related it is so about who you are your language choices and the fact that probably most of most of the eac significant members politicians etc will be bilingual and they will be able to communicate to be honest much more than bilingual but they will all have a decent competence in kiswahili and in english or at least one of them so they will they will be able to communicate in both languages but this is also a symbolic step about saying we recognize what africa's got to offer and we don't we don't just validate ourselves by what was put to us by others mm. and that kind of makes me sad for the european union where they do communicate to each other in english but then like you said the european union do also do the translation yeah which is which is cool yes and you can if you're giving a speech in um, the European Union's, you know, if you're giving a speech in the European Parliament, you can choose to give that speech in your native language, in any of your native languages, even if you speak something small like Finnish or Hungarian. This reminds me as well of something I saw in the Irish Parliament, where um, I'm don't quote me on it. I think it was the president um, of Ireland on a very important day for Ireland, um, chose to speak Irish. And got heckled for it. I got shouted, sort of, oh, speak English. Um, he, really? And, uh, yes. Yeah. Because it's not it's not an official language. And for some members of the parliament, it's very inconvenient if somebody comes out speaking Irish because they can't understand what's being said. But this person sort of came back and went, look, this is, this is who we are. We are Irish. If I choose to speak Irish, I will be accepted as somebody who speaks Irish right now. Especially if I'm trying to communicate something about the, you know soul being and intrinsic understanding of the irish of of, of who they are mm. that's that's very i can't believe you got booed wow well, if, if you think something important is being said and you don't understand you tend to get very defensive i've experienced that many times yeah yeah i guess and you need to feel you need to feel like you're on an even playing field which is why bringing in not just adopting a leading language but also offering free courses and training to all members of your regional assembly is important mm. yes this is true yeah so i think the way they the way they're going about this from from what we can see from the limited information of this news article to me it looked like a very positive move and to you as well so i uh, also really glad to be able to report something about african languages in the creative language learning podcast because for me it's a gap yeah same it's something that i'd love to explore but i've like barely been i've been to morocco once and that's it you know so it's it's something that i don't know enough about to to give full commentary that's probably why i've been very quiet it's like mm -hmm, yep because <laughs> <laughs> i don't feel kind of qualified to to, to say too much because I don't know enough about it but mm, it's, it's something definitely I'd something love to, to learn explore. more about and yeah. do you have I know that in your home you've got a shelf with about I'm not exaggerating if I'm saying 20 25 different foreign language guides and teach yourself books mm -hmm. and any African languages among them 
I do actually, interestingly enough, I do actually have a Swahili book, a teacher sells Swahili that I picked up in a library sale. So it's on the list. It's on the list. Awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, our library doesn't doesn't have a lot of that. Their sale is coming up. Library sales, just, just in case, guys, you didn't know, your library has a lot of resources and every now and then they sell them off and it's worth going. And actually, if they're not selling them off, it's still worth going because you might be the only person picking up the Swahili book. Um, but my library sale is happening in two weeks, so I'm going there and I'm going to take a, take a sheet out of your book and yeah. see see what's on offer. Yeah, definitely have a look. I find as well if you're like I'm guessing your your like library is Lancashire County Council, right? That's correct. Yeah, so then if you go to like a bigger place as well, then they sometimes have more and and their sales as well then have more, <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah, the shelf space of foreign languages has just reduced from two full shelves to two shelves yeah you know two full sort of big racks to two little shelves yeah. it's really gone down and I was quite shocked and I asked them about it and they said it's probably because the stock has moved to a different library within the yeah. county which is nice but on Saturday you know what I saw in the library uh-huh. fluent in three months by Benny Lewis oh I know it's cool. on the shelf that's cool. I know. So just a, a big well done to Benny Lewis uh, for showing that us language bloggers can make it all the way to the library shelves in Lancaster. <laughs> That's so cool. I know. I was I was um, excited to see someone who I know, you know, started with a blog on there. Mm. Excellent, motivating. I love it when people blog about languages and, you know, it's, it's Benny Lewis today, Lindsay and Kirsten tomorrow. You look good. <laughs> <laughs> and with that... I am moving on to our tips of the week. Before we move on to the tips, today's episode is brought to you with support from HelloTalk. Talk to the world. HelloTalk is the world's first and largest mobile language exchange community. Uh, it's got close to 2 million users. I'm a regular user on HelloTalk and I've recently... So, like I say, I've, you can use emoji in HelloTalk, which is really nice. <laughs> and I've recently found that one of my language exchange partners is somebody I, I, I type to him in French and he practices his English with me. Um, and he works at Euro Disney. How cool is that? Oh, that's cool. I know. I, I, I've never been to Euro Disney. This is as close as I've ever come to Disney. And it's all thanks to using this little app. HelloTalk mm. is downloadable from the App Store and it's downloadable as well from the Google Play Store. It's recommended by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, um, who's have all been previous guests here on the podcast, so they know what they're talking about. And then also Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. I think, Lindsay, you use it and recommend it as well. Absolutely. I, I try and use it every weekday for about 10 minutes and I just kind of catch up on messages. And what I love is that it's um, I wrote a, um, a blog post recently about sort of how to guarantee a response. So you, you, you'll find you get loads of messages and they're like, hello, hi, hey, I'm mm-hmm. learning English. And it's like, well, I know you are. <laughs> language exchange. So I wrote something about how you can get the most of, um, get the most from it and kind of, you know, pimp up your profile and, uh, and, and make sure that the messages you're sending out are kind of going to attract people and going to get a response. That's super interesting. I'm going to put that in the show notes and highly yeah. recommend it for you guys. It's really, really interesting. Okay, tips of the week. I have got two tips for you today. 
yes, only two, not three. Um, but I didn't want to cycle through what we had before. And But they're good. They're good. You're going to have a hard time um, choosing. Tip number one, make a weekly commitment with other people. For those people who have internal motivation but may need a little bit more external uh, structure to kind of get themselves to do things, you might know that you attend exercise classes in order to make yourself learn learn a language. No, make you attend exercise classes. You could try. In, 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 in order to keep fit and, you know, keep your body moving. Uh, have you considered making commitment meetups happen in your foreign languages? And this doesn't have to be, we're going to sit in a cafe and learn languages together. So thinking back to when I did go to exercise classes once a week uh, in a specific place and drove there every week. I gave a lift to a Spanish-speaking lady every week. I got to practice Spanish in the car. And this was a, it was kind of an, a commitment that I had made because we would be in the car together for 20 minutes. And it was one of the, one of the easiest ways for me to, to learn Spanish, essentially. So could you, could you build a language into your life in a new, different way, perhaps while doing something else and just making a weekly commitment, such as an exercise class, so it's non-negotiable in your diary? And number two, work with binaural songs and with bilingual books. And here we are talking specifically about books and songs that are literally translated. So instead of having a translation that rewrites the language into what you are used to in your native language, work with materials that take word, 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 word of the foreign language because it helps you get used to foreign word order. It helps you get over the confusion of that and just think in the structure, think yourself into the structure of a foreign language. Good examples of these are, for example, interlinear books where you have a book, you've got two lines and it's a foreign language novel or a little story and every single word is translated literally. So we've got the weekly commitments and the binaural songs or interlinear books. Mm, I, I'd love to know more about binaural songs. Ah, I, it's I something... Michael Schmitz, who you will actually hear in the next podcast, um, mentioned as part of feedback on another tip. And I adopted it and brought it into this podcast because I thought it was extremely interesting. And it's the example that he gave was uh, a colleague of his and she's singing a song in German. And at the same time, you plug it's in stereo. So you plug in your headphones on one side. Oh, sorry. On one side of your head, you're hearing English. On one side mm -hmm. of your head, you're hearing German. And it goes into your head like that. So the principle is you hear the German lyrics and you straight away know what they mean as well. So you, because your brain is processing in two languages and it goes word, 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 word. It's a literal translation. There, is there some kind of resource where you can find this kind of prepared? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking now, like all I can think of is kind of, Shakira, Jennifer Lopez, like I can't think of many examples where I could find both songs in, sorry, when I could find one song in two languages. Is there somewhere that has this kind of collated or? No, I think Michael might have invented it. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, okay. it's a very new um, idea. There are, there's lots of binaural products in other ways. So it's using the idea of stereo, using the idea of surround sound um, and working so so working with the idea that your brain processes two things at once 
as far as I understand. Um, and so it's it's used in therapy, for example, and relaxation. But in foreign language learning, the idea is really, imagine you've got your Shakira song yeah. and Shakira might be singing, my hips don't lie. Um, and then it, instead of saying in German, you might, you would then usually translate that to my hips lie not. But instead for a German learner who is learning English, you would translate that into my hips don't lie. Like literally word, 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 word. And the idea is that it gets you used to this foreign alien um, sentence structure that you're just not used right. to thinking in. Maybe I'm picking a bad example with Shakira because her lyrics are so random that if they were directly translated, it's not. that's not how the translation works on that. But I can think of a couple of examples. I like the idea of it. I'm, I'm, I'd need to, it would take a lot of time for me to find things. But I, I will pick tip number two because I do love interlinear books. I think they're a really, really great idea. Mm. Have you used them for yourself? I've tested the German one. Ah, um, cool. Yeah. I haven't, it's very cool. I haven't had the chance to look at them in, in a lot of detail yet, but I want to, I've, I've just bought a little book. It's really hard finding bilingual books in Welsh and English, but which is, sounds kind of crazy because Welsh is a language of the UK. Um, but so you can find an awful lot of bilingual materials, but at my level, obviously there isn't much. Um, and I found a, a very small children's book called Edwin Wach, um, Am I Small? And mm -hmm. it, it there's really not a lot to it, but Again, when I make my own Welsh notes, I do write I, be, not, this and that, if if that's the sentence structure of the English. And I would have loved for it to to do that instead of just translating. Not So you don't get this means this, but it's literally like this means this and here's how it's constructed. Yeah. See, that's what I love about intermini books. And for me, that really helps to kind of see, like you said, to sort of learn the like grammatical structure and word order as you go. It's a much more enjoyable way to see it. I like the kind of code, code breaking, if you like, mm -hmm. of language learning from time to time. So I think that that, that kind of taps into that for me. Me too. So, yeah, me too. That would be my, my pick. Okay. So binaural songs and interlinear books. And out of those, particularly the written word, the interlinear books, is our tip of the week. Congratulations to interlinear books there. Okay, guys, it's time to wrap up the podcast. I hope you enjoyed episode 28. As always, please rate the podcast and send us feedback. As you can see, we do get it, read it, enjoy it. Just love it. When we hear from you, we hear about, you know, who you are. Who are you out there, listener? Um, and you can also find me at fluentlanguage.co.uk and Lindsay at lindsaydoeslanguages.com. That's right. And we wish you guys, if you don't listen to anything else, we wish you guys a good December. Because this is coming out in December. I was going to say Christmas. You'll hear me before Christmas, but not Lindsay. So, Lindsay, you're allowed to say Happy Christmas. Oh, happy Christmas. <laughs> I haven't even started my advent calendar. <laughs> it's not quite time for that Crikey. yet. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S. 